This podcast is powered by you. To find out more, go to discussingtrek.com slash support. Welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with the Who story himself, Kyle Jones. How's it going, Kyle? I'm going pretty good. Um, you know, glad to be back and actually really enjoyed uh, issue number three. I was about to say episode, but issue number three of Star Trek Discovery. So, yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. Also with us, we have my brother, Carrie, the tech story. And how's it going, Carrie? Pretty good, man. Um, just, uh, like, like how I'm kind of excited to talk about this. It's um, cool seeing kind of another angle of the story. So, yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, definitely, definitely a different angle. And man, I was shocked by the last few pages. I'm, I'm still kind of running it through my head. I'm sure we will unpack all of that. Um, guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. But of course, still no Discovery, so we are doing other things. The comic books definitely are in that same vein. Uh, if you are hearing this podcast, we need you to immediately go to our YouTube page at youtube.discussingtrek.com where we need your subscription. We're trying to bolster our YouTube channel where we'll be adding video newsletters, unboxings, and more. So please go to youtube.discussingtrek.com and hit that red subscribe button. You guys are awesome. Thanks in advance. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the Star Trek Discovery, The Light of Kalis, number three IDW comic book, which definitely has some some interesting things inside. So, guys, we, we are passing that 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 quarter of a century mark. Uh, we are a few episodes past. It, we were a long way from 100. So I want to take this moment to congratulate Cal on uh, making it to episode 100 of Discussing Who. Thank you very much. And I can't take congratulations to Kyle. I think it has to be congratulations to Kyle and Clarence and Lee as well, because <laughs> I couldn't have gotten to 100 episodes without you and without Lee. So I can't take congratulations, but thanks for the sentiment. But but it's right back at you. So is this, is this the first show you've been on that reached 100 episodes because i know you're on uh pod shock but were you on there for 100 episodes before you started no i was on pod shock or am on pod shock we're just kind of in uh limbo slash uh hiatus or whatever you want to call it right now but uh i think i've been on about 25 to 30 pod shocks so yes absolutely definitely this is this discussing who would be the first time I've been on something for 100 episodes, so yes. So I want to throw this back at my brother, Carrie. Uh, there's another podcast that we're on that is well into the hundreds, <laughs> uh, 170, I think. So that was, wow, are you serious? It's been that many? It has been that many, man. Over Jesus, wow. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, 170 doesn't seem that much compared to what we've been doing discussing who just a few years and we're at 100, so... Yeah, we got to 100 pretty quick. 
Yeah, we did. But you know what? Now it's to 200 and 300 and on to infinity. Techpedition definitely will be hitting that 200 mark here pretty soon. So that is going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely hit it this year. <laughs> Cool beans. Uh, so guys, I want to get into a bit of news. There is a lot of news afloat in the Star Trek Discovery world. But first, we're just going to take a moment to talk about or remember Leonard Nimoy. It today is what would have been his 87th birthday. And, oh, and yeah, yeah. Um, just, you know, one of the Star Trek greats. You have to. You have to pay homage to him because he was definitely, definitely one of the is a legend of Star Trek. Not only Star Trek, but just, you know, pop culture in general. And literally there from the beginning. I mean, even to the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. The original pilot, I should say. (laughs) And one of the things I want to just plug or the things that I'm putting on my bucket list to go see. uh, Did any of you guys watch the show The Fringe that came out a few years back? Fringe? Um, no, I never yes. seen it. Yes. Oh, I loved it. Yes, 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 yes. And he was in it and very, very good. You've got to see it. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry. So he started he it? Yeah, I don't know if he was on there all the time, but he, he was he on there for a special arc or something, Kyle? No, no. He was on pretty much, I think, the second and the, I, I think there were five, four or five seasons. And I think he was on the second and the third season. Oh, wow. oh okay. Cool. That's cool. So I'm definitely putting that in my bucket list. I'm not even going to recommend you go watch Star Trek, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I'm going to recommend you go watch Fringe, Leonard Nimoy. And, and, and if I could add one more thing to Fringe, I think the only reason that his character was written out of the story was because Leonard Nimoy passed away. So I think that was the writing out of the, the character was because of his own death. Really? So I thought, yeah. I thought this show was over before he actually died. No, I was watching Fringe as it, I mean, you know, not, not binging watching Fringe. I was watching oh, Fringe wow. as it aired. So, okay. yeah. Cool. Um, cool. So, so yeah. All righty. Well, you know, just, uh, I'm sure the Tr- Trek family out there is definitely, uh, paying homage to him today. And we, you know, there was an event that happened this past weekend, uh, called WonderCon. I think it was in Anaheim, California. And we got some discovery news slash bonus material from it. So did you guys see the not tra- the deleted scene from discovery that was shown at WonderCon? Mm, no, but no, not either. Clips, I so. wow. So do tell. So or, uh, or can you tell? Yeah, yeah. So we know that Giorgio will be gallivanting about the the universe. Uh, San Mira Giorgio, uh, Sans getting um, escaping, not escaping. Uh, Burnham letting her go at the end of the season. So there's a deleted scene and you guys should definitely go watch it. I'll post it in the show notes if you're listening so you can watch it as well. But there she has an encounter with Section 31, which is really, really interesting. Do you guys know much about Section 31 in the Star Trek universe? Trek noob here. Definitely not. <laughs> so I so, learned a. I learned about it on this particular uh, podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go with the noob uh, track, too. Yeah, I think I have most of my experience from it, from uh, DS9, as well as Enterprise a bit. But uh, just think of Section 31 as the team that does the dirty work for um, for for the, the Federation of Planets. So also they're like Oni in Halo. Yes. Yes. Like. OK, them. cool. Cool. 
Well, like, you know, your standard black ops, you know, esque team that that that's what Section 31 is. And they'll do any they'll get the job done by any means necessary. So to speak. So, uh, that, I mean, that's what a lot of people were speculating that Lorca may have been a part of at the beginning of the season. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I believe it's going to provide for some very, very interesting story arcs in season two and also getting into season two some more tidbits we got from wondercon so mary shiflo shiflo laurel was there as well as a bunch of the star trek writers the whole writing team was there i believe so i mean some news leaked out i'm not even gonna say leak they announced some of this stuff there talked about it a bit so instead of 15 episodes like we have in season one we're only going to have 13 episodes in season two, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, two less. But the old Game of Thrones approach, huh? <laughs> yeah, but I will say they do play around with the format, so hopefully we'll get more longer episodes. Because I will admit, some of the episodes, even this season, were pretty short um, toward the end there. So maybe, maybe they'll play around with the format a bit. You know, it could be, and I'm not trying to go the Doctor Who route, but we've gone from 12 40-minute episodes this season, and we'll have, I believe, 10 50 to 55-minute episodes. So there, you know, maybe it's something along that line. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Uh, Again, I can't wait. So production starts in April, also leaked from the WonderCon, as well as still no target release date. I'm hoping we get it this year, but man, I don't know if I'm holding my breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one, one, I guess the only, the one show that really ticked me off with this long format other than Doctor Who in times past is, uh, I guess Game of Thrones. We still want to get, get any new Game of Thrones till next year. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I love the online format. I love the short seasons, but. One of the things I would hope with the short seasons that we can get consistency, which from the premium channels, it doesn't seem like that happens as much. Yeah. If anything, it gives them more freedom to break the mold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And and does it does it also add a layer that if you have a property, whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's Discovery, whether it's uh, Westworld, whatever it might be, that if it is something that the fans are clamoring for, it's almost like they have the power to hold that if they need to or if they want to. Because you know, what is it? Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Possibly. Exactly, yeah. Possibly. But in a, you don't want to wait too long, though. Yeah, true. In, in, in an often used video game um, saying is we'll release it when it's ready. So <laughs> hopefully that's what they're going for here. Although video games definitely do not release it when they're ready. So maybe that doesn't make much sense. But it's often said. Uh, other news. Uh, the season two will dive more into the Prime Universe, which will dive more into how Discovery fits within the prime universe that we know and love. So that would be really interesting. Definitely waiting to see those tie-ins and how they retcon or not so much retcon, but fit this property or shove it into what we already know and not destroy it, which many might say they already have. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And, And lastly, season two is set to have 
more of a trickian tone, which I'm all for that. Just don't lose mm. too much of the edginess. Yeah, that's yeah, I was going to say that was the thing that drew me to this show was <laughs> the edginess. So I, I hope they don't go too trickish. Yeah, me too. If they if they completely change course and, you know, alter to what all the people who were complaining were saying, I think it's what Carrie just said. That's what drew me in and made me so fascinated by this show. If you want to alienate all your new viewers, and there are new viewers, <laughs> CBS, go back to Cookie Cutter Trick, and I promise you that you will lose all of those new people. You got to blend them together. Keep yeah. the balance going. That's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think they managed to strike a nice balance, maybe a bit too much in the new area, <laughs> but but they, but they did give story justification justifications for those changes and if you don't mind me saying and if i may have said this last week but i don't think i did when we were reviewing the you know the what the original pilot and i'm sorry at the moment i can't remember the name of it the cage the cage um and if i said this last week and i and i'm repeating myself sorry but when we're talking about classic track or traditional track and this track Going back and watching the cage and basically realizing that in 1960, whatever, they were dealing with the main central storyline focusing around whether or not the captain was going to procreate with this woman. There's not that much difference in discovery. They definitely were pushing the boundaries for that time. So, you know, I think maybe in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, they, they probably got a little settled in what they were doing like care you said more cookie cutterish than than pushing the bounds more but you know i'm i'm we're gonna just wait and see what they do with season two um definitely definitely anticipating something great and i think i, I read that jonathan frakes has read like the first script and part of the second one and he he said he is uber excited about what he's read so uh <laughs> if, if 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 you like the word of jonathan frakes uh uh captain william Riker, um you definitely uh are going to be excited <laughs> so guys lastly uh we are going to talk about book three of the light of Kalis, the star Trek discovery four parter from IDW, but IDW also has a few more books coming out this month and later next, next month and the rest of the year, actually. So there's going to be a four parter called succession, which again is star Trek discovery. And I think it's going to be based more around the mirror universe. So mm. like this, like this book is filling in the Klingon side of things. Succession is going to fill in the, Mirror universe side of things from season one. Victorian discovery. What's that? Victorian side. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. So. So we'll actually, maybe get to see see what happened <laughs> to Prime Lorca. Is what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That could be interesting. That could be interesting. Uh. Yeah. And also, there's going to be an annual. I guess they're just calling it annual 2018, which talks all about Stamets and the development of the Spore <laughs> Drive which I think should be really interesting as well. So it's really cool how they're using these comics to fill in story that we, they, we didn't actually get in the show, which makes me wonder how much of this was actually on the paper, so to speak at time of shooting discovery. And they're just filling in the gaps or are they actually creating these storylines as we go? I don't know. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, we get a bump. We get, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, because just thinking about some of the scenes, quote unquote, and I use that word for a reason, these could very well have been scenes out of the show proper. Yeah. 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 Especially the ones between, uh, you know, Vok and uh, Laurel could definitely have been, you know, in the series. Yeah. Deleted scenes. Deleted scenes. It was never shot. <laughs> it's so funny. It seems like this four-parter. We're at book three of this four-parter, The Light of Kalis. But it seems like it could also, it could almost be an episode they did on the side. You know, maybe this episode they weren't able to complete that didn't fit into their budget or something. But it definitely feels like, as a whole, it could be an episode that I would be interested in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this could easily be an episode. Would love to see that fight in live action. So here we go, guys. Uh, again, we're going to be reviewing Star Trek Discovery, The Light of Kalis, number three from IDW. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. First off, I have no clue why Cole is on the cover. But there you have it. Cold is on the cover of the book. Um, this book was written by Christian Byer and Mike Johnson with art by Tony Chastain, colors by J.D. Mettler and letters by N World Design. So, guys, previously on the Light of Kalis, we saw Takumva returning from Bereth and 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 finding his sister in a very different state from where, when he left her. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the brothers are being the brothers as they are. But by the end of the book, um, everyone's dead and Takumba is there with his sister and her betrothed. Now, before we get to that part in the book, we did see where we flashed back to Laurel and Vok talking. So what do we what do we think about this thing with Vok and this whole self-doubt that he seems to have? Uh. I mean, it's it's a stark contrast to the character to me in the beginning of the series who was so convicted. Um, but I mean, I guess everybody has a little self doubt, so maybe they're just trying to humanize him a bit. I don't, I don't know. It just seemed off to me. Hmm. All right. So here's here here's my thought. So I'm looking and I'm 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 trying to you know watch this in my head, going back and seeing those first couple of episodes that Carrie just referred to about how. Um, you know, convicted, you know, the, you know, he was so passionate about what he was doing. And what I keep coming back to is thinking about the Klingon culture as a whole. And what I mean by that is it seems like their culture is so much action oriented, not necessarily about what you say. It's more about what you do. And specifically, on the third page, which is basically the first page of the actual story part of it, we see Vok um, uh, actually say to Laurel, tell me, what gives you so much confidence in me? You never acknowledged me before. I was nothing to you. And then she replies, because you stepped forward, you made a choice when others would not. So you've got this, whatever she was, general, one, you know, I mean, female Klingon, whatever her position was, she didn't even basically acknowledge him until he took some type of action. So that was, that was what kind of stood out um, for me was she is watching him now 
simply because of the actions that he took. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that definitely seems like the point. If you want to, I found myself relating almost everything in his book to something back in the show. So to me, this is kind of the point that we never really got to see, but, or maybe exp- never got explained. But to me, this is like where Laurel, when she sees him step up in like self confidence in that moment is the, is the moment she really starts to like him or and, and literally. And a beautiful relationship forms and we get all these puzzles. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, but, but to me, definitely that, that line signifies the moment she actually starts to take to him seriously. So that's, that's a good point, Cal. As well as I think, you know, a lot of Vox self doubt that we see here is largely due to the fact that, um, he is, I'm not going to say pariah, but he's like the oddball in the group. He's uh, an albino, albino Klingon. And well, that's what I'm calling it. I don't, I'm not sure what they call it in the show, but, but you know, I mean, I'm sure we all can attest to being different in the situation and how that pretty much just um, stumps on your confidence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you, you just I think you hit it spot on there. Yeah. And also uh, in this particular part here, he makes reference to how he's going to feed the Klingons uh, on the sarcophagus ship. This directly um, again, tying back to the show, this du- directly relates to episode four. And in episode four, the butcher knife, the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb cry is when we see Cole come on board. And that's my might be why Cole is on the cover. But that's the same episode where uh, they are stranded and he can't feed the Klingons. And, you know, he winds up going to Discovery to get a part to power the ship. I'm, I'm sorry, the Shinzu to get a part to power the ship. But this is kind of the same moment I'm figuring uh, right before Cole comes aboard and takes over. So he can't feed his crew. So that's a little bit why his confidence is, is shot as well. But just, mm-hmm. just this cool album loving the tie-ins. And it seems like everything I see, I try to jump back to the show. Uh, I'm definitely opening up these movie, these episodes and watching for particular parts. Some of the scenes are freaking spot on. So if you don't mind, let me ask you guys a question. Do do you think it was wise to add in this layer that we're seeing because we are reading this book that the audiences who don't read this don't have privy to? Because this is not just some alternate story. This is explanatory material directly to the canon of the story itself. What do you guys think? For me, I mean, that's true. But for me, I don't so much see it as essential as I see it as world building because, you know, you can still get the gist of discovery without knowing all these little details. And the closest thing to me that I I can equate to this is like the Halo novels. Like there's like there's like a lot of like extra literature for like the Halo series that you it gets really, really deep and in-depth with like the history of Master Chief or whatever. But you cannot read that stuff and still be at home in the games. It only, it doesn't, it's, if you don't know it, it doesn't detract from your experience, but if you do, it adds to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. makes perfect sense. Cool. So what, what you're saying is we need to read it. So we can become a smug book reader and we can sn- <laughs> snicker at all the other people who don't actually know the background. 
Yeah, we knew about that two seasons ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I must say, it is quite good being able to have the um, little tidbits of knowledge because I think it just enhances your overall enjoyment of the story. It, and at least it is yeah. for me. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where if you're a hardcore Trekkie or, you know, a hardcore Discovery <laughs> that you, um, you know, you, the season's in, season ends and you just kind of got this thirst for more. Yeah. And if you want more, it's there for you. So I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely like what you said at the beginning, world building, because that's exactly what it's doing is filling in the crevices and cracks that we didn't get in the show. And, you know, to, to get my answer to Kyle's question, I think it wouldn't matter mostly until like a couple of pages before the end of this book. I thought it was some stuff that everybody who's seen Discovery probably needs to know. And that may just be me filling in the gaps to what I thought the scene meant. But I'm sure we'll get to that. Anyway. Yeah, because I'm curious because I'm wondering if I had the same thought. So, yeah, let's. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so we get this scene back in in. um back on Takumba's in his home in his at his house um and we see where you know of course his brothers have been killed and he's been given the ultimatum by um to is it Tajula or Juella Juella's betrothed Takumba's sister Juella and the guy's name is Delor which to me was just too close to Datalore to to <laughs> it made, it made me feel weird but but um they get into this battle of sorts and and before the battle actually start i just have to say there's a scene where they show the two lackeys coming up to takumba with the batholiths is it just me or are the batholiths the worst design of the whole show <laughs> they, they they just don't seem fierce to me I I just don't get why they why the huge change there. The 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 do those freak you guys out as much as they freak me out? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> just looks weird. I'm like Yeah, they just they you're right. They just look weird. It's the one thing. The one thing they messed up in the show to me. <sighs> but anyway, what do we think about this run in between Juella and Takumba and this this fight that ensued? Um my whole thought about that was like I don't get why they had to fight. I guess because they're Klingons, but she was she obviously wasn't gonna kill them, so she could just be like, "Go." <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't. It was an entertaining fight, though. I will say that. Okay, so all right, so here 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 are my thoughts. So when when we get to the end of issue number two, my first thought, thinking of it in comic book terms, I'm going, okay, she's the villain here. So she's, you know, she's turned bad. She's the villain and, and literally labeling her based on just a, you know, she's the villain. But then as I'm starting to read this again, kind of playing off to what I said about the culture and thinking about it from the Klingon culture, you know, we keep hearing the houses or and we would probably refer to them as dynasties and stuff like that. And in our political climate or in our culture, we've got political parties that are in control for, for most part. Then in this, you have these houses that are political powers. So was her actions seeing that the brothers other than Tacomba were you know, weak or 
didn't have honor or, or fill in the blank there, was her actions less of being a quote unquote villain, but instead a strategic in the Klingon culture to make sure that her house survives and was sending Takumva away or helping make sure he goes away to this monastery is in part to protect him for what she's about to do. So it made me question that whole villain title that I gave her. Thoughts? Mm. Well, well, we do see what Juella says. There's no future uh, in this house and this is the only way the house will survive. So, I mean, obviously it looks like, and she even says as much by the end of the book that they have made some, her and Daedalore, Delore, I'm sorry, have made some <laughs> type of partnership. They've made some type of agreement that brings their houses together. Like you said, it may be for power of sorts, but there's definitely some type of agreement there. And it makes me think, and we definitely get this more later in the book, but it makes me think that Joella has ulterior motives or she has some bigger plan that she's not unveiling to Takuma um, a bit. I'm not entirely sure, but you make it throw all that out the window once she kills her brother. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me personally, I just think she's in survival mode because I mean, when you think of Klingons and how they act in, you know, most particular, particularly in the show, you know, they're just ruthless. It's like death is more. I mean, I equate a lot of the Klingon like motifs or whatever to like some, some aspects of Japanese culture where it's like honor means more than life. And it's like, you know, it, there's more honor in death than surviving with your tail tucked between your legs. Um, or at least that's what I got from the Klingons on the show. And then I read this and it's like, this is like completely like the opposite <laughs> yeah. of that, you know? So it's like, is like, it, it, you know, it's all about honor and stuff, but this is just, this is just straight up survival mode. I don't, I don't think she has an ulterior motive. I just think she's doing what she has to do to survive. And maybe that's why her, well, mainly why Takuma is like, so, so upset with her because when he left her, she was the one talking about restoring the honor and, you know, restoring the house and all this other stuff. And now she's just doing, she turned a complete 180. So yeah, that, I guess that's how I felt about it. I'm not sure where I was going there. <laughs> no, I mean, a good point. Cause it's, it's, it's definitely a side of the Klingons, like you said, that we do not see in the show. And furthermore, for the most part, we don't see much in any of the other shows. So we're, mm. we're, we're seeing Klingons be, deceitful greedy which we i guess you see a even if there is greedy in, in the other shows i will say it's always laced with a large amount of honor you know mm -hmm. so honor trumps all but we're seeing in this book where honor is kind of thrown to the wayside with the uncle and the brothers who are just horrible people and and i don't know i don't know how that makes me feel about what they're doing here but it definitely sets up a a motive for Takumva to be this hmm I'm not going to say well I guess I said pillar or leader or and 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 by the end of this we see where Takumba just he's just born to lead. He's a strong leader by the time he says, Look, give me give me my dad and give me the Sakafka ship and I'll be on my way. He's just like a total yeah. one eighty for him. 
All right. So let me add this. You know, I was sitting here thinking and looking back through Star Trek, we've had, you know, recurring characters that have have shown up that are Klingon. I mean, as in Klingon, Klingon. But any character that we've had that has been as big a part of the story as Vok or as Laurel or as Tacumba have been, like I'm meaning Worf or I'm meaning uh, Belana to, uh, from Voyager, those characters have been half human. So they've not been full Klingon. And, and where I'm well, going well, with this. Well, I mean, Worf was full Klingon. He was just raised by humans. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay. So, All like, right, well, same, same difference, though. Same difference. There's, there's a large amount of human influence in that character, right? And where I was going was, this is the first time I think, as in a uh, universe proper story, as in the the story, the the show has focused so much on Klingon person, not someone that was raised by or was half or whatever. Yeah, I can agree with that. That that definitely makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny because what we're seeing here is maybe not so much the Klingons that we have from another series, but a different take on them. But um, yeah. it, it makes it fairly interesting. I just feel like if nothing else, it shows that they aren't one trick ponies. Yes. <laughs> they have the yes. same struggles and internal strife that any of the other how you know, any of the other not houses, any of the other uh races, alien races do. So I mean, at, in some ways I feel like it humanizes them, if that makes sense. No, it does. And 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 to kind of, you know, piggyback off of what you just said, Carrie, isn't that the ignorance of prejudices that 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 we have of Anything, you know, in society that you don't know, it comes back to the more you learn, the more you understand and the more you understand, the more you accept. And I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that we were prejudiced or, or don't accept Klingon, but I'm meaning the more we see of the Klingon, it just opens up things that you never would have thought about or seen before. Not just yeah. that one thing we've seen as Klingon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it happens when you, you know, when you don't know a whole lot about. I mean, it can happen in any kind of, you know, aspect of life. But you're you're 100 percent right there. It's more about you know learning that Klingons aren't just ruthless barbarians. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, and it's it's funny how, and you guys made me think think a bit, but it's funny how all of the Star Treks always anchor the alien characters in some type of human. I'm not going to say it's always, but I mean, you, of course you have Spock, you know, and, and you have, um, you have the data trying to be human. You have the doctor trying to be human. So it, it happens a lot to where they have these characters that are obviously aliens or some other computer generated uh, robot or whatever, but they're always seem like they try to anchor them in a human in a human sense. And I think that's there for the audience mostly, but some of my favorite characters though. <laughs> so, so guys, what do we think about the formation of the sarcophagus ship? We see the why of the sarcophagus ship, but what do we think about that guys? Um, I just think it's Takuma trying to, you know, stick to the old ways that he actually got, you know, his sister kind of set him on that journey and this is his I guess his own way of staying true to his family and his house um, even though they've lost their name he, he still has all of his family his ancestors 
you know, and he's trying to stick to the old ways and, you know, bring all the Klingon houses together instead of just trying to have one house stand above all the rest. He wants everybody, everybody to come together, which is also different than, you know, even what his sister started out with initially. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it, which I agree with what Carrie said. I was looking at it as to how deep that was. And I mean, from the sense of you are taking not just, you know, the jewelry or, you know, you, you're not taking any um, thing, quote unquote, worth anything. But to him, these caskets and these sarcophagus and whatever that he's taking that he's pulling these things that that was the the image that got me is you're pulling these things and loading them onto the ship. And I just thought that the whole scene was a, actually a very powerful scene, the way it was drawn, that you're taking the dead with you. You're not taking riches. You're not taking valuables. You're not taking documents or whatever. You're taking bodies or, or the remains of your ancestors. Yeah, what did you like, think? It's like his friend said, you know, you've lost your house, but your home remains. I, I thought that was so poetic. Where, oh, yeah. You know, and it just ties into all the family stuff as well, where it's like, you know, and it, you're going to laugh, but they even like kind of touched on this, like on Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> it's like Asgard is where the Asgardians are. It's not necessarily <laughs> a place. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, and to me, it ties into, I mean, all of what you guys said, but it also ties into his ability to unite. I mean, following those old ways, ingrained in those old cultures, remembering the past. And he's saying, if you want to be on the ship, bring your dad. They're going to be a part of your family is going to be a part of this new family that we're forming, which, like you guys said, is, is very powerful and, and, you know, just feels that whole sarcophagus ship with a a newfound sense of honor. And we see this even in the show when the sarcophagus ships meets, meets the different houses, when he meets Cole and the honor and the, the, the impeccable presentation of this ship is just like way above the rest. Everybody else mm-hmm. is skiving, uh, conniving and, and cheating and doing all those things that, that Juella noticed and said that we we need to change of the houses they're still doing that stuff but you have to come over here being a leader and just being on a different wavelength from everybody else yeah pretty much so if i were to say from what i've read in these first three issues if there was any one scene that i wish that they could have taken and inserted it into the show proper it's the scene that we just talked about of dragging the, you know, these things because when I watched the, you know, original run, you know, when we were reviewing the episodes, watching them, I could have honestly cared less about the uh, <laughs> things. I honest, I mean, they didn't mean diddly to me. It definitely Had, felt weird at the time. <laughs> it just felt weird and it, it and it kind of felt creepy and, and it just kind of, other than <laughs> creepy and weird. It just didn't mean, like I said, it didn't mean diddly. But if I had seen this as part of the story, I think it would have added a lot more understanding. Going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, would have given me a lot more understanding and appreciation to those scenes that I pretty much just kind of like, you know, looked over. So we see that Takuma, along with Chael, Kale, 
I don't know how you pronounce that. Yeah. Till? I, I guess. That, yeah, that, well. That'll work. <laughs> um, but but Takuma quotes the prophecy about a beacon being lit to unite the Klingon houses and deems this his mission. We're going to go find this beacon. F- forget Barath. We are all, we are putting the ship out there and we are going to find this beacon beacon or this light uh which i thought was really interesting and we'll get we'll get a little well i'll get to go to it we see where what i presume by the end of the book is the interstellar relay lo and behold that we see at the beginning of discovery that we found out this faulty is the beacon he was looking for question mark did you guys see that i get that yeah, I see the 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 UFP thing. You said that's the beacon. Uh it's the the the, the uh, relay on. I think it's the next to last page. It may be the last. Yeah, page. yeah, that, yeah that, 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 on the last page. I'll show you. I'll send you guys a screenshot. That same beacon is the thing that they go to that's breaking down in the. Book. Yes, oh. now I get it. It's the same exact thing. Oh, oh the thing that Michael and them go to find. investigate that that's broken down that they need to repair. Ah, uh, okay. Now, now, okay. Now it makes sense. Okay, cool. Because I didn't get that at first. I didn't quite recognize it until you just said that. Oh, I went so was the Klingon. <laughs> so the Klingon beacon just happened to be next to that beacon, or that is the beacon he's been looking for. To unite the unite the houses. Now, I mean, I don't know if you need to take that in a literal sense, or this could be what he's seeing as the beacon to unite the houses, because that's how he uses it. But after all these, years, oh yeah, he sends out that signal, and the, yeah, you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Klingon thing if he can get into it and send the signal. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, because it could it could simply be a circumstance that that but it the it's the action that resulted. So I th- yeah, you're right. Yeah. So just wow, really awesome tie-in. Uh, I mean, I went to the freaking episode and looked at the screenshot. I should have capped it, but <laughs> it's definitely almost the same look or scene that you see in the. So this, show. yeah. So this runs pretty much runs up into the show. Yes, pretty much. But, but but uh we also find out that Takumba has been traveling for years and years and years to find this beacon. They don't tell yeah, us he's old. Yeah, yeah. He looks older and they don't tell us how long, but I'm assuming twenty or some odd years, or maybe somewhere in there. But that takes us back to Juella. Hmm. So we see where Juella, one year after she has sent Takuma off with the sarcophagus ship, has a baby. You know, she's with De La Lore, but the, the 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 baby is turns out to be albino, which I'm assuming. I'll let you guys take this first, but who do you think the daddy is? <laughs> Not the mama. Okay, no, sorry. Um, I I don't know. I, I never even I never even thought about you who think, the daddy may be. You didn't. Wow. So what about you? You Gary? think the dad's? You think the dad's is his name? Kale? Yes. Is that his name? Yes. That's what I thought. I I was like the dad. Has to be kale. Ah, I didn't even get that. But she kills it, doesn't she? No, no. She tells him he kills it. She kills it. We see. Ah. we see the people take the baby. So we have this albino baby, twenty some odd years before the events of Star Trek Discovery that Juella Takumba's sister has had, which Takumba is the uncle. And then fast forward to Discovery. Oh, you're 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 thinking that he that she sent the baby away with him. 
And that's Vok? Yeah, I'm thinking the baby shows back up and that baby is Vok. That's just my uh, wild theory. That's okay. I- All right. That is really wild because I assumed and 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 I'm I'm thinking that Carrie and I were thinking the same thing. When I read it, I just immediately assumed she killed the baby because it was albino. But it I does say she says she killed it, so you're right. Yeah. Because I'm looking at it now and I don't see her, you know, uh, you know, she's got that evil kind of look in her eye, but it, it we look, don't actually see, you know, a knife or something. Yeah, and look at the glow. Uh, also, that birth scene was disturbing. But look at the glow around them and <laughs> and the people that are there with her, the birthers or whatever you call them, they're mentioning how special the baby is. Of greatness to come. Yeah. So that was kind of, that's why I said, I think this book has something huge for people. If I'm right, I could be totally wrong with this. I could be totally wrong. But if I'm right, this could be something huge for people who are fans of the show. Yeah, that's true. So he's actually what, Kuzma's nephew? I'm thinking. All right. So let me ask you this. Does Laurel not know? Because she's the one who says, you know, whenever... um you know, Vox says Takumba's sister killed her child because he had skin like mine. She says yes. So does she not know that hmm. that that's who he is? Maybe she, she may does. not know. I don't. And why wow. wouldn't she tell him if she does know? Mm, things to ponder for book. Three. I don't think. She, I don't think. <laughs> honestly, I don't think she knows because he was invisible to her until he stepped forward. Like I just, ah, I honestly don't think she knows. Yeah. And for that matter, I'm not even sure Takumba knows, but or maybe he does. But somebody somebody had who I assume that Laurel is telling this story, but maybe she just didn't put two to two to two and two together. So I I, I don't know. It's very interesting. And, and the other thing you have to realize is that she was she's probably around his age. So she just probably legit doesn't know. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Because she is younger. Point. Hmm, interesting. Like you said, things to ponder. Yeah, I mean, another thing I found interesting was toward the end, you know, Takuma has that same self, well, type of self-doubt that, you know, Vak has at the beginning. And I yeah. thought that was interesting how they kind of tie that together, you know, not really he- either here or there, but I just thought it was interesting how they kind of did the same thing with him. Yeah, yeah uh, agreed. Very interesting. And again, I mean, I just like how over the course of these three books, we have seen Takuma go from a sniveling teenager until, you know, we get this scene in a book where he's standing at the podium with his armor on. And that's almost shot for shot. One of the scenes we have from the the screenshots that came out before the show came out, you know, where he's standing behind the podium with that armor and looking fierce and in, in control. So, man. Man, they've really done something cool with these Klingons that I, I, I was, I was kind of skeptical at first, but wow. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm definitely excited to see. You said there's another book, right? Yeah, there's one more in the arc, uh, book number four. So we'll be getting that next month to round out this four episode arc. So you think we'll get more details on the operation? <laughs> do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um um i hope so i hope so i like because seems like it's butting up against the show right now so hopefully we're going to tie in a few more things and, and get more details of yeah. the procedure 
Oh, no more detail. <laughs> well, the procedure is fine. We just don't want to hear about the, uh, the, 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 the slave, the sex. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. The I just, I just want to oh, know procedure. if they were having, like, were they having sexy time before he, um, turned into a person, a human, or was this like a new thing? I would imagine so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Things to ponder. So, guys, uh, we're going to wrap that up. And, um, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Do you guys have anything to talk about, podcast-related or otherwise? Let's start with Carrie. Um, All I have to say is uh, you definitely check out the next few – or not the next few. Check check out the Techmedition podcast. Um, I am, once again, redoing my computer. <laughs> so, um <laughs> – My plan this time is to actually like document what I'm doing for people that may or may not know how to build a computer, what to look for. Also, we'll probably, you know, do a little focus on a subreddit called Hardware Swap where I buy a lot of my computer parts. Ah. Um, on and yeah, it's really interesting. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say if you guys haven't heard much news, which I don't see how you haven't at this point, about the the Uber self-driving thing, we kind of dive into that a little bit on our last podcast. So you can find that last show at techpedition.com. So, Kyle, what you got, man? So just piggybacking off of what you just said, so you you, you you basically talked about the people jumping out in front of cars to get their – what was it? Their their insurance or whatever. <laughs> dowry. <laughs> their dowry. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that, that was us wildly speculating. <laughs> yeah, that was funny though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I'll just mention one thing that, um, I'm working on, which is also working on with you is our YouTube channel for discussing who discussing comics. And you can find that at discussing, excuse me, youtube.discussingwho.com. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, definitely check that out where we are going to get on a schedule for posting our videos. And I will admit that's my fault because I edit the videos, <laughs> but but we're definitely going to get on a schedule where you can expect the video at a certain time every week. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And guys, once again, thank you for joining me. And yeah, yeah, the, another another episode is in the can. So guys, until next time, live long, long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.